welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. How many were born and raised United Methodist in this room? All right. I see a lot of proud hands going up. I love that. Me too. Born and raised United Methodist. That doesn't make me better or worse or stranger. It just, that's my heritage. Baptized in a little tiny church outside of Greenfield, Indiana. A a little tiny church that's still going strong today. And I was always in church. My family was involved. My extended family as well. My dad chaired and was part of many committees they, they helped with the youth. My dad was a, a master craftsman, so he was always at church building something. So I was at church a lot. I thought I owned the building when I was a kid because I could go in any room I wanted. I knew where things were. And I was given this wonderful teaching and, and demonstration of faith through all of those who went to the church. A lot of that was out of my awareness, but I received it still. But I had trouble connecting with it because it was their faith right? It was what they were presenting. It's how they understood it. It's what they taught. And I I understood it, I I, I guess, kind of, as much as a kid can. I knew the routine. I was everywhere I was supposed to be. I, I had the right answers most of the time. But as far as really connecting with my heart, it just didn't. And I wasn't even aware of that. Because how can you be aware of a sensation which you've never had? And so when I was a teenager, That, I point to, is the moment my faith really began. And it began in a traumatic, could have been tragic moment when I almost died at my own hand. And the reasons seem silly now, as they almost always do. But in the aftermath, the moments after, in this state of shock and this kind of disbelief of what almost happened, what it meant, and where do I go from here? And in that moment of desperation of probably the most real prayer prayer and praying that I've ever done in my life, I noticed a presence in me that I hadn't noticed, or if I did, I didn't give it much attention. A a word, a guidance, a voice, something kind of pulling at me. And I didn't, all I knew was it wasn't me. That's all I knew. Maybe it was something I'd been taught. Maybe it was something else. At that point, honestly, I didn't care. At that point, I just recognized it. I didn't care what it was called. I was very curious about it. And so I turned my life to be about figuring out what that voice is and what it means. Because I knew where my own decisions would take me, where my own understanding might lead. I'd been there. And I know, I was a teenager, and you're saying, oh, come on, kid, you didn't. He didn't really experience anything. Well, I did, and it almost was the end. So from then, then forward, it was following this voice. Now, I was not perfect. Oh, my goodness. There's plenty of people that will back me up. I was not perfect. Nothing about me magically changed into this wonderful person that did everything right. Not at all. I just had a curiosity that I could not satisfy, you know, a thirst, but I couldn't get enough to understand it. I wanted to know more. I wanted to understand, because that's kind of big to realize there's more going on, even within my own heart, soul, whatever we want to call it, that's not of me. Where did it come from? 
Who is it? What do they want? Those were the questions in my mind. And so the journey between that day and this one has been riddled with dead ends, with falls and bruises. I've done damage. People have damaged me. Life, right? We know this story. But it's really this question of this walk that I'm still on because I know that in 10, 20 years, I'm going to look back at things I've said and done even today and I'm going to go, oh, no, Joe. Oh, how could you think that and say that and do that? And that's the journey, amen? We can all look back and we see everything we wish we'd done different. And one day we're going to look back at today and say the same thing. That's just part of the life. So the Apostle Paul gives us some of the richest understanding of this presence that's with us. And maybe you have names for it and you already are categorizing it by what you've been taught. And maybe you've found a way to connect with that. And that's great. I hope you have. If you haven't, maybe you have the names and categories. You're not quite sure what to do with it. And that's okay. But Paul gives us these, these letters. And if you don't know, most of the New Testament was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. The biggest chunk was written by him. None of it was written, intended to be read 2,000 years later. Not one word. He wrote letters to, other, to churches of his day. Paul traveled the land. He'd show up. He'd tell the good news of his Jewish faith to this Jewish prophet and Messiah, Jesus, fulfilling the Jewish promise of God made to Abraham long ago. And either people rejected it or they accepted it. And people who accepted it started meeting together into this group, this new kind of family, and they called themselves a church. They didn't worship in a building like this. They worshiped in a home. It's a strange thing he did because when you bring people together like that in a home, they would be slaves at the table of their masters, except at the table, they were equal. They were sisters, brothers, family. Now, slavery then was different than it is in our American or Western history, but it was slavery. How do you respond to a slave when you've regarded them as family and sister and brother and broken bread and you share allegiance in Christ and you're one and the same? It changes relationships, which is why everywhere Paul went, all society started to kind of flip upside down and they'd usually run him out of town or beat him or arrest him. Because that's what happens when you mess with how it is. But anyway, Paul traveled around, and as he would travel, the churches he'd established would write letters and ask him questions because he was very knowledgeable and wise, and he'd respond back. And that's what we have, are his letters. Those letters. And they're arranged in our New Testament by longest to shortest. And so they progressively get smaller and smaller. The biggest one is Romans, which is why it's first. It's also, I would say, the, the richest in what it offers. Because it, it brings this grand scheme of history, this big story, and it brings it to the people who are struggling with a very simple point in his own day. He walks through, because we're going to start right in the middle of the whole letter itself. There's 16 chapters. We'll be in chapter 8. It's the end of the first part of the letter, as we call it. He's walked through how God's been at work from the beginning, through Abraham, through Moses, through Jesus, the Holy Spirit at work in the church today. And we're going to step into that part where he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Rome is the only church he wrote to that he did not establish. He hadn't even visited it. He was going to. And he knew they were struggling with something. He knew they were struggling with this massive division. And there were two groups of people who worshipped and ate and believed 
the way that you live your faith in different ways. Gotten to the point where they weren't meeting together. They wouldn't welcome each other into their homes. They wouldn't welcome each other to the table. Sound familiar? So Paul wrote, trying to help them understand the big picture and how that they belong together. And the way he does that, and you'll, you'll get some images of that in our reading today, but I want to give you some background so you recognize them. He takes them all the way back to the Exodus story, where Egypt had enslaved the Hebrew people. God sent Moses, 10 plagues. Moses led them out, and they were headed to what they called the inheritance, the promised land, the land that God was going to give them. And so this road in between, it's called the wilderness. They'd left slavery. They were headed to the promise, but they were in between. And there were some rough days in there. Amen? Read Exodus. You'll read all about it. They did about everything wrong you could do wrong. They were led by a pillar of cloud and fire. Can you imagine that? If a cloud of fire, a pillar of cloud and fire, came into this room today, that might change the rest of your day. Amen? If you were being led by it, that might impact your confidence and where you're headed, right? Except it didn't always. Some of them wanted to be back in Egypt because the road out here was hard. Sometimes they were hungry. Sometimes they were thirsty. And they didn't have the one thing that gave them identity, which is land. And their day it was land. That gave you your identity. They had none. So who are they? God's been trying to tell them, you're my people. I'm your God. And in their minds, it's so backward. They're supposed to have a land where they build a temple in stone, and that's where God is. And God's like, no, I don't need that. Where you are is where I'll be. You all are a home together. And I am your father. Uses father language a lot. Not to emphasize gender, but to emphasize relationship. To emphasize relationship. Because in Paul's day and Moses' day, the head of the household was the father. Some households today, it's not. It's the mother, grandmother, aunt. Somebody else is the head of the household. It's their rules you live by. They're the ones that take care of you. They're the ones that teach you the way of the world. Moses is trying to tell them, God is in charge of this household. And then Paul even brings it more intimately, follows the leading of Jesus and uses not the word father, but Abba. Do you know the word Abba? Abba is another way to say mommy or daddy. So if you address your parent like that, you know it's different than father or mother. Paul wants the church to see you're all under a home now. You have one table. You have each other. God's with you. And God is your Abba. So I want you to hear the scripture passage that may be familiar with these images in mind and hear what Paul is saying to them. So then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it isn't an obligation to ourselves to live our lives on the basis of selfishness. If you live on the basis of selfishness, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the actions of the body, you will live. All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear. 
but you received a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. With this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. <clears throat> but if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ. If we really suffer with him so that we can also be glorified with him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hear the language. We're heirs. We've heard that language, but now we understand there's an inheritance that's ours. We're in the wilderness. We're headed there. Part of it's already with us through the Holy Spirit. A lot of it is not yet till the great day of the Lord when all is set right. It will be a good and glorious day. Amen? But in the meantime, <laughs> we have a lot of this going on. Our church, our denomination. Church, one church to the other, right? You ever hear people kind of decide who you are based on what denomination? Oh, you're Methodist. Oh. You're Catholic. Hmm. Doesn't matter what denomination we are, we're, we're in the same house, aren't we? What about our nation? We're about to have Memorial Day. A lot of us are going to look at the flag and we're going to remember those who died. Do you think those who died care about the things we're arguing about today? Or they'd say, we're one nation. Or maybe friends and family, you have things going on in your lives. Arguments, grievances, frustrations, disagreements. It can be different. If we believe. Now in faith, we know what that means. One day there will be none of this. It'll, it'll be one. There won't even be another hand, right? We'll all be one. Diversity, beauty, all present together as one. Unified, not uniform. Paul invites us to remember that we have a home in each other. Not in this building. It's a great building. I love this building. But this isn't our home. If we were gone tomorrow, would the church be dead? No. Because you... You are the home for each other. And we need to remember that. We need to allow the Spirit to work in this time of wilderness that we all wander together. Are we going to run into dead ends? Are we going to make mistakes? Have we? Oh, yeah. Is that going to stop us from getting where we're going? No. Many people out there, they know nothing but the wilderness. Or maybe they're still back in some form of slavery, oppression of an Egypt of their day. They have no idea. We do. They belong in our home. And so as Cheryl so beautifully lifted up that many people are unloved right out here. They have no idea. We are called to go and love them, to show them that that voice within them, it's real. Maybe they just need to quiet themselves and listen. Maybe they just need to step back and see that the way that they've been guiding themselves by their own indulgences, well, how's that? How's that faring them? We're not going to judge, but we can ask, how's that going? We can show you another way. That's our heritage as Christians. Um, and I hope that we tell it and remember and that we use it wisely, that we actually claim God as Abba, who loves us, who was always our home. 
And I hope we regard each other the same way, that it is God who is our identity first, not land, not even country, that no matter where this wilderness road takes us, we are already home. No matter how bad things can get, no matter what kind of wars and devastations we witness in this world, the new age has begun in Jesus Christ. It's not finished yet, but it will be. So let us, in everything we do, and all that we say, and all that we are, and all that we do and say and are, let us be guided by the Spirit to each other and to the world around us. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you are always... You're always here. The door is always open. And for those of us that need to return home or maybe enter home for the first time, you're right there with open arms, ready to put a ring on our finger and sandals on our feet. Help us to not only come home to you, but to celebrate alongside of all of those who were lost and are now found, to go out and share this good news of this great family, of this great home that you have created whom no one can destroy. Lord, we give you thanks and praise in Christ's name. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.